Welcome to Revved Up for Sunday, a lectionary podcast from St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm John Kennedy. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. I'm Rob Schwartz. Today we have Jesus talking about a wedding party. That sounds fun, right? But it's really not once you <laughs> pay attention to it. Uh, not only is this, uh, you know, a, a wedding with uh, interesting rules about how to get there, but it turns out Jesus is a bit of, um, I don't know, a menswear snob in this story. <laughs> so let's see what's going on here. This is Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and won away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets, and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went into the streets, and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. All right. Mm-hmm. Feeling a little whiplash after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Say more. That's a rough one. Well, it's it's one of these uh, parables. Uh, last week, Elizabeth said, uh, oh, man, this is one of the, uh, I don't know, um, what was the word? Not gruesome, but it was one of the tougher parables that mm-hmm. Jesus tells. And all of a sudden, here we go, right out, following Doubling on the heels down. of that one. It's We're a like, lot like Oof. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very similar parables. Yeah. Well, and, and he's kind of... We've got this series of parables that he's using to talk to the, the high priests, or the chief priests and the elders. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. had the, uh, the parable of the two sons and the wicked tenants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in both of those, there's this similar theme of people who kind of um, almost get so focused on their own things that that's more important than, you know, what they're being asked. And that there's... Um, always uh, a welcome extended to others mm-hmm. uh, like we've kind of talked about that that radical mm-hmm. uh, extravagant welcome and that it's like god's always bringing in people you know mm-hmm. and so um we see that playing out a little bit here but boy this one's a doozy yeah i think it's it's we can't really underscore enough the context here because um not only has he been speaking now for a while to these chief priests and pharisees in the temple on the heels of him overturning table and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they've challenged his authority and they won't answer him, whether it's from God or human origin. 
Um, and so we're basically, he's already entered Jerusalem on the donkey. We're kind of in the pre-climax of the whole gospel. And so he's really doubling down in clarity on, on how serious it is to decide where his authority is coming from. And I think, you know, he's at the end here, the man is speechless. I feel like that has to be a reference to them being silent or, you know, saying, we don't know when, when they are being asked um, where his authority comes from. And so, you know, we, we, there's a, a parallel of this story in Luke, but um, Robert Capon says that he's probably, Jesus has told the story twice in two different ways mm-hmm. for two different contexts, sure. two different yeah. audiences. Yeah. Like in Luke, he's around a dinner table with, you know, kind of, dessert and coffee kind of storytelling and a more gentle judgment at the end. And here, I mean, he's really at the end of his rope with these people and that's it. So um, it's a really incredible uh, storytelling method where he's, he's continuing the parables he's already told these four that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like the ultimate last word, you know, and I, I think he's got a, we have to also remember that, the kingdom of heaven comparing to this situation isn't necessarily um, describing what God is like. Mm-hmm. It's describing a situation where they have a choice, you know, to come or not and to enter in recognizing what they're being invited to, you know? And I feel like, I feel like that's, that's one reading. So. Well, and, and, and I'll try not to jump oh, on. We'll, yeah, John's lots coming more in, to say. But I did want to say, as far as what you're saying there, that um, you make a really good point that it's, it's, these are, you know, allegories and things like that. So it's not, we shouldn't take this as like, this is literally exactly how God is, or this is telling you exactly mm-hmm. that this is God and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the fact that this, the things that happen in this one especially are so over the top and just like, yeah. it's meant to draw your attention to mm-hmm. the ridiculousness of it, to, to really drive home some points and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when we look at some of the, the king's actions, we go, no, that's not consistent with what I know God to be like right. throughout, you know, the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to be devil's advocate here Ooh. again, just for fun. And I think this actually <laughs> is consistent in some ways with how God is depicted in the Old Testament, punishing Israel, his people, for not heeding his message to them through the prophets to live in a certain way, to live... Um, uh, in, in holiness and righteousness, or uh, uh, to jump a little ahead here to something I thought I'd get to later, Augustine commented on this parable. And he's like, what is the wedding robe? He's like, is it the sacraments? He's like, no, because all sorts of people take the sacraments, like good and bad alike. Mm-hmm. So clearly that's not the thing. Um, Augustine obviously speaking at a time where, where church order and the sacraments had been fairly well established. Um, so he says what, what the wedding robe is, and he quotes uh, the first letter to Timothy, which uh, says um, something about uh, uh, pure love uh, arising in the heart. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. but um, So Augustine says it's love, and then he ties it into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, that uh, all our faith and all of our good works even without love are like worth nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like that reading. But anyway, so just to say that, you know, that I think in, in the Old Testament we see people called to live that way as well. There's incredible... A concern for the, the marginalized and the vulnerable in the law and the Torah. And this is the way that, that God calls his people to walk in. But they just are so bad at it, <laughs> at least over the long haul. Um, 
And this is one of the great themes of the Hebrew Bible, that, that, um, that, that God calls God's people to live in, in a certain way, and they maybe get it for a little while, and then they veer off course. Mm-hmm. They lapse into idolatry and you know, greed and so on. And so, um, as, as the Hebrew Bible tells it, you know, in, in the prophets and in the, um, in the historical books, uh, God punishes them. God judges them by sending uh, or allowing people like the Babylonians to conquer them and to scatter them around. Uh, and uh, this being some sort of means of um, calling them back, right? So judgment and punishment is always with healing in mind. But nonetheless, there is judgment very, very clearly in the Hebrew Bible. And I would say that what's going on here, what's being described here is quite consistent with that because we have Jesus being sent to the people of God as the Messiah. Uh, Matthew's pretty clear that that's who Jesus is, uh, obviously. But at this point in the narrative, that's been talked about openly among the disciples and openly among the people who hail him as the son of David as he comes into Jerusalem. And the drama here is that the religious authorities, the people who should get it more than anybody else, don't get it. They won't get it. They are not receptive to Jesus. And, um, and therefore, this parable seems to be talking about a coming judgment on those who rejected a, not only a prophet, but the Son of God. And, um, and, and it's, it's, it's tough because Matthew doesn't stop there. Um, with saying, you know, oh, those, those people didn't get it, but, but you who consider yourself, you know, a Christian now, you're good. Um, he has more to say about that, that there's a warning against any kind of self-righteousness. But anyway, I just wanted to throw mm-hmm. that in there to see mm-hmm. how, you know, so see what, what your take is on that, because um, there are these competing, or at least apparently competing notions of who God is that I think mm-hmm. come up again and again in Matthew, because Matthew presents, obviously, Jesus as a teacher of nonviolence and forgiveness and inclusion, but there are also these messages mm-hmm. of judgment over and over mm-hmm. again. And there's a real interesting tension there. I yeah. Think. I want to advocate just to, and I, I love that image from Augustine. Thanks mm-hmm. for that. It's an amazing way to think about the robe for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do want to advocate for really keeping in view that G- the context where Jesus is speaking and whom he's speaking to, because these people know their Bible inside and outside. Mm-hmm. And James Allison points out that there are hidden references in here, hidden to us basically, but probably not to the Pharisees and the chief priests, to Zephaniah, Isaiah, and Deuteronomy. And I, I just brought it because it's so compelling to me that um, in Deuteronomy, well, first of all, this this word for, for feast can also be... Um, a battle. Like if you're called into a feast, mm. you could be by the wordplay, at least in Hebrew. And um, so Jesus could be playing on that. And then when they get to the word friend, the word hetare in, in the Greek is companion, which could be a companion in battle or a companion in a banquet, mm. you know? And so in a way he's setting up the Pharisees and chief priests to decide, are they going into war or are they going into a wedding banquet? And um, in Deuteronomy, they, uh, well, he, he, they give some laws about, or not laws, but guidance. If, you're, if they're being called into battle, the officials can address the troops and say, has anyone built a house but not dedicated it? He should go back to his house, or he might die in battle, and another dedicated it. Has anyone planted a vineyard and not yet enjoyed its fruit? He should go back to his house, or he might die in battle, and 
someone else will enjoy the fruit. So, I mean, like mm. they have these reasons they don't have to go. And so here we have some thing, you know, they have excuses. One goes to his farm, another to his business. And this reference in, in Zephaniah has to do with, um, with this, the silent one and that the Lord, it says, be silent before the Lord God for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who dress themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish all who leap over the threshold and fill their master's house with violence and fraud. You know, so in a way, he's like pointing out, I think all along this section of Matthew, how that's what these people have been doing. It's like filling the temple with violence and fraud. And, um, you know, when they get to the, when he gets to this person, he sees that the, the king in the story gets to this person without the wedding robe, um, saying friend, you know, companion for battle or banquet. How did you get in here without the robe? You know, the, the one dressed in foreign attire, and the guy is speechless. And in a way, you know, he's talking to these people who've been speechless to decide, are they, gonna, are they at war or are they going to enter into the grace freely offered, you know, wow. this banquet, which is, you know, the wedding banquet is the crowning climactic image of the entire mm-hmm. New Testament, yeah. right? And Revelation mm-hmm. is the, the wedding feast of the, of the Lamb. Yeah. Um, and so I think when, we, when we're getting to this penultimate scenes in Matthew before the Passion, He's, it's the ultimatum. This is like Jesus' yes, ultimatum. Totally. You know, yeah. that, uh, which one are you? And, if, and since they can't even decide, you know, hell is the place of weeping, gnashing of teeth is mm-hmm. like the place of indecision, the place of complete mm. inability to accept this banquet and the, the place of joy, yeah. you know. And the Isaiah, um, the Isaiah passage 65 is, is one that talks about, you know, the... the I will recreate Jerusalem as a joy, you know, in the place where the wool, I mean, the wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion and the, and the cat mm-hmm. will be together. So I, I think that is, that's pretty interesting to me that um, James Allison was able to draw those out and, and point them out here because I think that Jesus is talking to people who would hear those references. Um, and that works for me in a way that doesn't make me have to see this king as a parallel to what God is doing, you know? I mean, it is what, but it's sort of like the self binding up in our indecision or the self casting out, like we saw in the last one, you know, if you don't want to go to heaven, you can go to hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Totally with you on that. I I think, you know, I, 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 I believe in, in the, the view that, uh, when God's judgment and wrath is spoken of in the Bible, it's um, also allegorical, or at least metaphorical, in that I don't believe that we're meant to understand God as literally getting mad right. and being like, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm, I'm send the Babylonians, I'm going to send the Romans. Mm-hmm. I think that God is the creator of the universe and that the universe operates uh, in accordance with um, the, the, the wisdom of God, right? And that there is a way to go uh, to live in accord with that wisdom. The natural world does that naturally. Mm-hmm. We're in this sort of apparently unique position <laughs> of being able to go with the flow or not. And that mm-hmm. when we go against the, the current, uh, uh, if you will, uh, you know, things don't go so well for us. Mm-hmm. It's like 
Um, so well said. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you go to the dentist and he's like, or she's like, uh, you know, you should floss more and, and maybe brush for more than 30 seconds. <laughs> and you're like, okay. And then you come back in a year and your teeth have fallen out because you didn't listen. It's not like the dentist did this to you, but the dentist is an authority on the laws of teeth, right? <laughs> Just telling you how it is. Right. And, and so that, that's how I see it. But that, that God, you know, has created a universe where we can't just do whatever we want. And so that's what gnashing of teeth want. means, I guess. Oh <laughs> yes. Very good. I, I literally, yeah. I literally yeah. had to reschedule my, my root canal that I had scheduled for this morning because I had the podcast no to way. do. That's hilarious. So now you're making me really oh. self-conscious. <laughs> I hope my dentist. I hope I didn't cut you off. You know. Not at all. I hope Not my dentist all. doesn't watch I this think that, uh, that podcast. Yeah. 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 Children, brush your teeth. Yeah. For all the children watching. Twice a day. Yeah. That's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and one of the, you know, just getting to some of the, uh, the sticking on some of the Old Testament stuff too, one of my uh, professors used to say, when you look at this, um, you know, this pattern of, of kind of the Israelites are, you know, they, they, they start following God and then they kind of fall short and stumble and then God's welcome the, you know, welcoming them in again and then they mm-hmm. stumble again. And, and he goes, is it any, you, you start to go, it's an amazing thing that the exile didn't come sooner. The, the, the right things were happening. Um, but it's this idea yeah. of no matter how many times we stumble, that there's always this yes. welcome mm-hmm. uh, extended to us. Yeah. And, um, and one of the things I found interesting, and, and you touched on uh, a lot of it, some of the things from Isaiah and whatnot, and also in Hosea, uh, when we get this, this metaphor of the wedding kind of being God, the relationship between God and Israel, mm-hmm. and that the, the banquet's kind of that covenant between them. And yeah. Matthew's really making a big point here that, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that there's a sense of urgency to this mm-hmm. and to respond and don't just, mm-hmm. you know, dawdle and do your own thing, right. but respond to what God's called you to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that that phrase, many are called, but few are chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, we just heard the one about the two sons where they both were called to go into the field and one had a change. One, one said yes and did not go. And the second one says no and does go. And the one who finally goes recognizes, you know, it's good to be in my father's vineyard or whatever. But um, I think that that, that phrase is about recognizing what you're being called into. And it's so hard to accept that something free and lavish and unmerited and good and bad alike. It says right in the parable that he invited all the good and bad off the streets. You know, when when that, and that becomes sort of plan B in the story, but it's kind of God's plan A from the start, right? Like it, everyone's supposed to want to come in because this is being offered so freely. And that from the time of the prophets, from beginning, you know, Jesus or God in the Old Testament is always talking about the vineyard. Israel is my vineyard and my plantings. And, you know, it's a place of celebration and joy and communion. Right. And it's, yep. and it's always trying to get, get the people back to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another Caponism, Pharaoh Caponism is we will sooner accept a God we will be fed to than one we will be fed by. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, it, this makes me think about how, um, you know, so many of us uh, in, in the world today, and clearly not a new phenomenon based on this text, uh, put off the really important stuff. Mm. Uh, I mean, how often do we hear in, in ministry like, oh, I, I really want to come back to church, but so busy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying this with 
a lot of compassion and, and not being snarky at all. But this is just mm-hmm. such a, a, mm-hmm. a common it's refrain. Lives, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, people are busy. It's, it's a real thing. But um, that life gets crowded out, uh, or life gets crowded with, um, you know, urgent things mm-hmm. and things that come up and things that you feel like you have to deal, deal with people that, if things that people are telling you you have to do or you think that people are expecting you to do and um, stuff you don't really want to be doing but you find yourself doing anyway, like scrolling through Instagram endlessly, like why am I doing this? It's because there are billions of dollars worth of technology and research to keep you hooked on that. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, I guess I don't have time to meditate or or go to church or whatever the thing is that will nourish my spiritual life my soul and um and and this is this is drawing attention to the fact that we we have limited time and we we don't know how limited our time is we live with the illusion of like i'll live till like i'm 80 or 90 i got all this time we really have no idea Mm -hmm. and uh even if we do live till we're 80 or 90 um that goes kind of quick. Right. And, and life has seasons and the seasons, you know, have their time and then they end, you know, and, uh, you know, whether that's the time when you're a young adult or the time where you're raising a child, like all of those are little blocks of a, of a hopefully much longer life, but they, they're so precious and, and, and ephemeral in a way. And, and I think that, that a a parable like this is a call to uh, really show up for our life in a way. I mean, obviously that's not what Jesus is talking about directly. He's talking more directly about responding to Mm -hmm. him and responding to God through him. But uh, I think it's all of a piece, you know, that that the depth and richness of life that we're looking for is obviously found when we're in communion with God. And and that it's important to prioritize that Mm -hmm. now. And to relax into it. It's supposed to be a feast. Like these people are, they just come in, they're handed a robe, you know, I mean, that's the custom, I guess, at the time was to be provided with a tunic and you didn't even have to come prepared. You just were invited. They were invited in and the hall was filled with guests, you know, good Mm -hmm. and bad alike. And the king wasn't questioning whether they deserve to be there or bought a ticket or any of that stuff. It's just filled the hall with guests. And it's so hard for us to relax into the ease of um, just being accepted, you know? And loved yeah. and invited into this way. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think what sometimes puts people off to pursuing um, spiritual practice or, or religious devotion is the idea that it's hard. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're addicted to that on some right. level. Yeah. Uh, but that also keeps us at a, at a remove. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we have to show up. But when we do, it seems like everything else flows quite naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, Augustine, again, talking about the wedding robe. I mean, in my own experience of, of contemplative practice or prayer, meditation, that uh, the hardest thing is just showing up. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. once I do, uh, the rest just kind of goes of its own accord. That mm-hmm. it feels like I'm not really doing anything. I just feel and live and move uh, and literally breathe in a much easier, more mm-hmm. natural and, and harmonious way. And and I think that's that it, it feels like being invited to the wedding feast. Like, oh, the hard yeah. part's accepting all the other guests. Yes, mm. <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> you no, know? I mean, as that's, we're hearing in the story, that's in both part of in the teaching. Jesus is talking to and in the parables themselves. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, John, if you've got a couple other things you wanted to tackle. Otherwise, I know we finally do have a voicemail that came through. Ooh. So that's oh, pretty we have cool. a voicemail. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I think we covered the important things, you know, uh, how to make sense of the, the judgment talked about in this parable, uh, how important it is to brush our teeth, and how uh, easy it is once we actually show up. So uh, with that, I think we'll, we'll turn to our first uh, Revved Up for Sunday hotline voicemail that we've received. Uh, a reminder, you can always call in at 203-442-5002. That's 203-442-5002 and listen to our first voicemail to hear just how easy it is. Hi, good afternoon. This is Zuhair Sweden, and I'm, I just listened to your podcast. Um, Reverend Elizabeth, Father John, and uh, Rob, you guys do magic in your exploration of every word in each one of those parables, and I get enriched by it. I listen to probably the majority of the podcasts that you have, and I'm sorry I missed some. In any case, that's about it. And I thank you for the podcast and all the wisdoms and explanations that you uh, walk us through. That was Zuhair Sweden. That's right. Hi, Zuhair. Thanks for the voicemail. Yeah. And thanks for the, the very, very generous, kind words. It's Very kind. Yes. Yeah. Thank it's, you. It's great to know you're out there listening. It is. Yeah. And it's and it's a great um, you know it's it's very rewarding for for the three of us to be to be doing this and it's been mm-hmm. you know uh, oh. a real treat for me to be able to kind of hop on for a little bit from behind the camera mm-hmm. to in front of the camera with Indeed. you guys and yeah. and kind of engage and and this is a great chance for all of you at home wherever you are to also engage with us mm-hmm. um, you know whether you're commenting uh, on one of the the audio podcasts or on YouTube or calling into the the voicemail so we can engage with you here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a treat. So yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. yeah, we're so glad that that you listen, that you engage with us. It's really an honor. Uh, so please like, comment, subscribe, and we will see you next time. <laughs>